Hello and welcome to the Bayside Sermon Series Podcast. My name is Marcus Duckworth, Media and Technical Director here at Bayside. This week we are discussing with Pastor Ken Carlson on Jude verses 1 through 4, Contending for the Faith. Thank you for joining us in our conversation today. Alright, welcome back to the podcast. This week we are in the book of Jude. And Jude is towards the end of your Bible. It's right before Revelation. Uh, it is a short letter. Now, if if it's like the, the letters from Paul, it is what's called or classified as an occasional letter. Not that you know that they occasionally write them, but there's a special occasion for this letter. And Pastor Ken, you kind of touched on that, what the occasion was that caused Jude to write this. <laughs> yeah, uh, so you see that right in verse 3, actually. Um, right in verse 3 of Jude, uh, he, he says, I was eager to write to you um, about our common salvation, but I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. So that's the purpose for his writing, is he's basically writing to encourage, exhort, to appeal to the um, these first century believers um, to uh, wrestle, grapple, fight for the faith. Um, the faith that they received, um, the faith that has uh, since been sealed because what's going on. Um, so why is he telling them to contend for the faith? It's because um, essentially uh, people have crept in unnoticed, verse 4 says. Certain people have crept in unnoticed, crept into the church, they snuck in. Um, these are apostates, uh, ungodly people, um, not saved. They're not confused Christians. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, and they were coming in and they were distorting God's grace and denying um, Jesus's lordship. So that's why Jude writes this. Now, um, we don't know an exact date when he wrote. Um, we we know it's sometime before, uh, obviously before John's revelation. Um, but, you know, 60, 70 AD uh, is uh, estimated time um, and likely to, um, you know, a messianic uh, Jewish, you know, obviously large, largely uh, Jewish Christian congregation um, because of the allusions and examples Jude will use throughout the rest of the book. Some really cool things that we'll see uh, actually um, this upcoming week. Um, some of the examples that Jude pulls from, but it would it would have made complete sense to any of the people there in that context who were familiar with the Old Testament and other Jewish writings. Um, so yeah, we'll explore a little bit more of that next week. But um, there's a long answer, Marcus, to your very <laughs> short question. So as you were preparing for this, I don't know how many people uh, know much about it, but your background, uh, your your personal uh, history of, of fighting, uh, did that have any kind of influence into the direction of ideas for <laughs> planning this out? Yeah, my uh, my MMA training history <laughs> and love of UFC. Uh, definitely, I had a lot of fun with this when I was coming up with the Let's Get Ready to Rumble title and then getting to name some of the uh, and to title the sermons. So um, I'm, I'm kind of excited for, uh, for Doc's sermon in a couple of weeks because that one's titled The Way of the Warrior. So, uh, so yeah, um, there's, and obviously it's, it comes out of the word, you know, 
my fun, but comes from the word contend because that's what the word means. It's an athletic word that means to fight, to wrestle, to grapple, uh, to struggle against. So, yeah, that's why I had fun with some of them uh, pictures that we have for our graphic. <laughs> now, I think it's a, a Brando quote that he could have been a contender, but this is that you, you we are contenders. We are contending for the faith. And one of the things that, that kind of strikes us that when we are first receiving Jesus, when we're, you know, the Holy Spirit first comes to us, some of us may not understand that we're enlisted into this moment. So that's a lot of times people come to Jesus as children, and we're not asking them to take up arms. This, this is not, you know, the South in the Civil War where they were asking kids to, to take up arms. This is us trying to give them the best way to defend themselves. But you, you did mention some of the aspects of the full armor of God, which comes in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, and that falls right in line with what we're trying to do is and spending time in the Word, and Paul calls the, the, the Word the sword uh, and our shield. Those are things that we use to fight off these kind of uh, attacks. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, that's why, you know, quick to, you know, the, the big idea statement, uh, Marcus, was, you know, being we're soldiers entrusted with guarding the sacred treasure of the gospel. Um, and, you know, the fact that we don't often think about that, that reality. Um, and naturally, our minds go to a certain understanding of soldier, usually a, probably a Hollywood flick. Um, and what we understand from our, um, you know, brothers and sisters uh, who serve in the military. Um, but God's army is a different army. This is a different, this is a heavenly army, a holy army. Um, so we fight using dip, different weapons, right? Not with our fists, not, um, not in dependence on self and not um, with uh, ill motives. Um, but like you said, Marcus, with Ephesians 6, you know, with the armor of God, the full armor of God, truth, righteousness, faith, salvation, scripture and um especially one of the ones we gotta keep in mind when we have all those other ones is peace mm -hmm. right it's mm -hmm. the gospel of peace mm -hmm. and let's so we, let's be peaceful representatives of that gospel so looking at jude verse four about those that have crept in there's this statement that jude makes about these people were long ago designated for this condemnation and Again, not getting too deep into the weeds on this, but we understand you know, that the way God has worked. So like with Pharaoh, Pharaoh could have said, you know, okay, take the, your people and go. Pilate could have said, you know, I'm not going to listen to the crowd. I'm not crucifying Jesus. But that was the predestination that God had for those moments. And so in these times that Jude is talking about, these are people that God, this is still his plan, that God has put these people in this moment for that time. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's a good good, good point there. I know that verse in verse 4, right, Marcus, it is um, one of those verses that uh, there's a lot of discussion and not necessarily always uh, uh, entire agreement on where it says for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation right so um you know did did god 
uh, call them, create them, and already predestine them for condemnation? Is there a different way of understanding that? Um, so I honestly, I think the best, I, I think just the, the simplest way of understanding that without getting uh, too deep into the weeds is simply saying, because who are these certain people, right? They're false teachers. Yeah. So for false teachers have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. I think Jude's simply saying they're like, hey, you guys have known um, for such a long time, going all the way back to the, our, the prophets of old, um, that you have to be on guard for false teachers because this was always their path of condemnation from as far back as, as we can remember, um, as Jews. Um, so, so I think that's a really simple understanding of that. Um, and I think that that really expresses the, the bigger idea of what, um, Jude is trying to get at. Um, but yeah, so, so, but, but yeah, that's absolutely a good point. And if we can look at the op opposite side of that, because talking about God's will and God's plan for people, mm -hmm. is that you you had three points in there that uh, we are called, we are loved, and we are kept. Mm -hmm. And those are not on our own. That is things that God has done for us. Right. They're right passive verbs. So it's a, God's the one doing all the acting for us. And it, it's very reminiscent of uh, what Paul tells the people in First Corinthians. Um, about uh, that they say, but you were washed. This is First Corinthians 6. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of our God. Those things, we didn't do those things. Yep. God did those things for us because it is his will. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good reminder of that, right? The entirety of our salvation rests uh, completely on the grace of God. He calls us, he sustains us, and he'll carry us through. All right, so looking at our discussion points, that one of the things that you point out from the sermon was Christian life is not a playground, it's a battlefield, and we touched on that. And, you know, as, as we look at the history of the church the last 2,000 or so years, ever since Acts chapter 3, this has pretty much been the reality for the church. You know, some generations have experienced God's grace being extended to them in a more peaceful time, but there has always been a battle going on. You know, here in the United States, we like to think in the last 200 years that this has been a Christian nation. Well, yes and no. You know, the things were, were founded on certain ideas, the freedom to express your religion, but that was in opposition to what was happening with, with the king. And... Having that freedom uh, is, is to be religious is, is the main point of us being a Christian-like country. But again, those that would look at anything after Jonathan Edwards and say, well, we've been on a steady decline uh, for our Christian freedoms in this country. Moving on to point three, because we've talked about point two, some of the ways false teachers have crept in. How can the church try to prevent these things from happening? You know, we, we hear almost on a weekly basis something happening in a church somewhere where false teaching has come in or there have been uh, sexual allegations against someone in leadership. And, and so every week there's, there's more and more bad news of, of something that's happening. So what are some of the things that we need to do just to kind of keep our ears up, keep listening and watching for these things before they get to be an issue? Um, yeah, great, great question. Um, number one, be in the word, 
be in the word regularly, um, right? Because you know, you know Christ the more um, that you're in the word, and then the more that you know truth, the more that Jesus is going to set you free through the truth that he's revealed in his word. Um, so be in the word. And number two, um, there's no such thing as an isolated Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually uh, when Christians are in isolation yeah. um, or uh, disengaged from the larger body and the, um, and structure uh, of the church, the way God uh, designed it to be uh, under um, the leadership of elders. When you do it in isolation of, from that, you are without protection um, and it's more dangerous. So um, the Christian life is always to be lived in community. Um, so that's another uh, protector against that. Um, and, you know, I, I have a, just for anybody that's listening here are uh, just a few questions even to ask to guard against some of these false teachings or, or, or heresies. Um, you could, here's some simple questions to ask. You could ask any of any religious group um, because some of these questions will help you discern uh, some of that false teaching. So here's question one. Does this group uh, stress man-made rules and taboos rather than God's grace? So is it all on man-made rules and taboos or is it on God's grace? Question two, does it foster a critical spirit towards others or does it exercise discipline discreetly and lovingly? Number three, does it stress formulas, secret knowledge, or special visions more than the word of God? And I mean, that third question right there would exclude, you know, Things like, uh, you know, two that are very big in our context with Jehovah's Witness and, and the Mormon Church, um, you know, stressing these the secret knowledge and these special visions more than God's word. Question four, does it elevate self-righteousness, honoring those who keep the rules rather than elevating Christ? Question five, does it neglect Christ's universal church, claiming to be an elite group? And question six, does it teach humiliation of the body as a means to spiritual growth rather than focusing on the growth of the whole person. Um, and here's a, 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 a really good question to ask. Does it disregard the family rather than holding it in high regard as the Bible does? Because that's what a lot of these um, heretical groups or cults will do. They'll um, teach you to disregard your family um, rather than holding your family in high regard. So there's a, a list of some questions that can also help you discern some of that false teaching. So many red flags that I remember from growing up and, and the church that, that my family was a part of and still a part of today um, mm. on that list. Hmm. Well, maybe one day we'll have you uh, on this podcast ah, <laughs> and share about that. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, all right. Point four you had from the discussion uh, it was talking about how Jude addresses himself. And as he introduces himself, he's talking about that he's the brother of James. And instead of saying, if you know James, now you know that I'm his, his brother, but that means I'm also the half-brother of Jesus. So that level of humility, I think, starts on a good foot for him. And, you know, because this letter is not going to be easy for a lot of people to hear and when we come uh, it, it's it's always that uh, it's easier to catch flies with honey kind of uh, aspect mm. it's 
when uh, as a teacher i was always told when you have a parent teacher conference use the oreo uh theme where you you say something sweet and then you come to what you need to say that's harsh and then you finish with something sweet again and that typically leads to a more productive mm -hmm. discussion that's right uh so the the humility that jude shows there is is quite uh amazing to me yeah right because he's opening up identifying himself as a as a bond servant a servant a slave of jesus right not as jesus's brother um obviously the the latter would have carried a lot more authority but uh that jude doesn't care about that because he cares about being a servant of christ and serving him as a, the way a bond servant would uh, entirely devoted and wholly loyal and committed um and that's going to be necessary um to guard against false teaching is going to um, to do that to contend for the faith is going to require that servant-like uh, humility. So Jude's modeling for us, <laughs> intentionally or unintentionally, but he's modeling for us the uh, attitude and spirit required in order to be able to even uh, heed his exhortation to contend for the faith. Makes me kind of wonder if in when Jesus in his ministry, if there was you know if Jude was the main one that was trying to put him away or if birth order, if he was the baby or if he was the, the firstborn of Mary and Joseph, mm. uh, if there was some kind of, cause you know, siblings, there's oh, always yeah. that, <laughs> that rivalry. And, and if this might not be a reflection of that, and that's just hypothesis, but it's, it's, it's worth noting that if you have siblings, you know, it's hard to talk about your siblings in a, in a certain way at times. Yep. Uh, yeah. That's why Miriam and Carol and I, prefer when they refer to me as a servant of Ken Carlson. <laughs> Let's see if they're listening. <laughs> I, I think Ben uh, will, will hear and remind Carol Ann. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, all right, so you asked, uh, what are the three blessings Jude reminds uh, his readers of in verse 2? And we kind of talked about that, that we are, we are called, called, loved, and kept. And... And then we, and then the the abundant blessings, right? He's given us mercy and peace and love. Um, and again, for a lot of people, remembering that they are loved above all else by God uh, is hard for them to understand, believe, and remember in times of trouble. Mm -hmm. And and that is why we have groups here. We have outreaches here at, at Bayside. That if you are struggling with those thoughts, those understandings of who God is, because a lot of times it comes from our the way that we were raised. If our if yep. our father at home wasn't loving, if he wasn't um, a model of godliness, then our understanding of God is warped, and we need help with that. Yep. And we're here at Bayside would love to help walk you through those things so that we can help you get through and and understand the truth of who God is. Yeah, amen, because God's love is a forgiving love. It's a strengthening love. It's a compassionate love, right? So, yeah, please re reach out. <laughs> In verse 3, uh, this is point 6, that uh, Jude's purpose. And Jude initially wanted to go in one direction, but the prompting of the Spirit took him in another direction. So the, the purpose uh, was to contend for the faith, and then point seven was the threat to the integrity of the gospel coming from inside or outside the church, uh, according to verse four. Uh, these ungodly people, 
and the church we we still see it today we get it from both sometimes it's more aggressive from the outside but it hurts more from the inside mm. uh it's it very similar to to family versus friends if you yep, have very right. close friends you know we we expect to fight with family we expect that uh but when we have very dear friends that hurt us that that just makes it so much worse in my personal experience mm. so there were attacks from the inside and outside of the church but these particular uh that Judas listing was was internal yes yeah yeah there um this is uh he he's talking about you know these are people false teachers who have essentially uh wormed their way into the church um you know so they didn't belong to the church um but they wormed their way in um pretending like they belong there was their um, intent were, to right, disrupt right they, right and you know so they were pretending to be intruders um and there's going to be some uh there's harsh some harsh judgment for them point nine you asked uh if we could remember from the sermon three important reminders when it comes to contending for the faith and our appropriate response to each of those. Could you help us out with that? Yeah. So the, uh, you know, our, the three main points for the sermon, um, walking uh, right through uh, Jude. Um, so because we serve in the assurance of our identity of Christ, what should our response be? Well, simply know who you are in Christ, right? Know what Christ says about you. Know your union and your identity uh, in him. The second point there is uh, we serve out of the abundance of our blessings from Christ. So if we're serving out of the uh, an overflow of the, the love, the joy, the mercy, the peace that we've received from Jesus, um, it's important to know um, what we have from Christ. So that's the response to that reminder is know what you have from Christ. And then the third reminder is um, we serve to advance the truth of Christ. Um, that's that's our purpose. That's our mission is to uh, defend the faith, advance the gospel of peace uh, to a lost and hurting world um, as God keeps us on earth to do. Um, and so therefore, our response to that is uh, to know the truth of Christ. Right. You have to know the message that you're promoting. And one through four, we serve in the assurance of our identity in Christ. Um, so our identity in Christ is um, you see that all in Jude's greeting in the first verse, uh, verse two. Um, so, so know who you are in Christ, know what you have from Christ and know the truth about Christ. And as we're getting through the end of verse four, uh, it's talking about these ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality. That can be seen in, in a lot of different ways. And I believe both Peter and, and Paul talk about something similar. Paul says, you know, should sin abound so that grace can, uh, you know, be multiplied more? May it never be. And I believe it's Peter, Second um, Peter 2 goes into to talking about uh, similar issues going on to the people he's writing to. Yeah, in Second Peter, Second uh, Peter and Jude, there's a lot of overlap. Second Peter, you know, he says there, there, there are people there who are secretly introducing destructive heresies um, and even denying uh, the Lord who bought them. Right. Essentially saying, you know, go ahead and sin because God's going to forgive you anyhow. Yep. That, that is not the, the idea that we should be pursuing in, in Christian faith. And in, in the world that is very permissive to do whatever you want to do and be who you ever want to be, that is 
in direct opposition to what God wants for us. Yeah. Yeah, and if you notice the two reasons, too, that Jude is citing for the condemnation. Um, he's, right, he says uh, they, uh, long ago, were uh, designated for this condemnation. And he says they pervert the grace of God, you know, into sensuality. Um, so they're distorting God's grace into sensuality. So that really has to do with the practical, the lifestyle, the moral side of the heresy. Um, but And then when you get to the other uh, part of that, it says they're denying our only master and Lord Jesus. So, right, that's the doctrinal side, the theological side. So there's both a practical and a theological. And, um, you know, they're, <laughs> they're wrong on both parts there. So as we come to a close in our time, the, the last three points in the sermon discussion are really more about reflection. Let's take a moment to think about how the faith was delivered to the apostles, and then how was it delivered to you? Were there any similarities, differences? Uh, they were adults. Were you a child? Did you come to faith through a special interaction with someone? Uh, was it just something that happened to happen? Uh, to reflect on those moments. The second question, uh, how can you be a part of delivering that faith to others? What is your role in doing your part to carry on what Jesus commanded to do, uh, whether Matthew 28 or Acts chapter 1, the Great Commission. Uh, how important are your attitudes and actions while contending for the faith? And then finally, uh, thinking about a list of non-negotiable elements of the true faith that was delivered to the saints. You know, the things that I, I always believe that there's at least seven tenets of the gospel that everyone should be able to agree on, uh, starting with that Jesus said who he uh, was and he, that was true, and that is a good foundation for us to start with, because if we can't agree on Jesus saying he is who he is, then then we really have some big ground to, to cover. That's right. The, the question is, what scriptures do you use to define or defend your non-negotiable elements. So if you could take the time to think about those things and, and in your discussions with, with people this week, talk about those things, why certain things are more important to you. Not to argue uh, who's right, who's wrong, but to say, well, this is how I feel, this is what I believe that the Bible says about this, and use Scripture to back those things up. All right, Pastor Ken, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Next week, we are staying in Jude. We are in verse 5 through... 16. 5 through 16. 5 through 16, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Jude's now going to... Um, oh, man, he's going to start going through. With, and he's basically... This is a sermon of his, and he's going to give example after example after illustration after illustration. So there's... Um, uh, I'm not sure how deep into the woods we're going to get, but... Um, but no, Jude's really going to start hitting hard on the point that um, God's condemnation is certain for rebellious sinners. Um, so it's not going to be a feel-good message. But uh I'll tell you, what does feel good is the grace of God. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen. All right. Well, thank you again, Pastor Ken. And we look forward to next week. And I hope you all have a blessed week. Thank you for joining our conversation today.